Welcome to the Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys. This is a podcast from CBS News, and I am your host. The show is a breakout from the CBS News Weekend Roundup, and every week we discuss issues including income inequality. Now we're talking about a study from the Joint Center for Political and Economic Studies, finding that blacks in the rural South are nearly twice as likely as whites in that area to lack home Internet service. It's a think tank that focuses on public policy issues and how they affect black Americans. This is some kids are still going to school remotely because of COVID-19. Many employees are still working from home, attending Zoom meetings and the like, and some doctors are seeing patients via telehealth appointments. President Biden's $1 trillion infrastructure plan includes $65 billion for broadband deployment and most of that for far-flung communities around the nation. But the question is, will it get there and solve what the Joint Center's Director of Technology Policy, Dominique Harrison, calls digital redlining? She joins me to discuss what that gap means. That conversation after this short break. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The gap is pretty big, um, especially when you look at the numbers in comparison to African-Americans in general across the U.S. and whites as well. This gap is attributed to both affordability and availability. That means that folks who have low income don't have the economic resources in order to sign up for broadband services. And in terms of availability, that means that there is not broadband infrastructure in their communities or they cannot access broadband at speeds as identified by the FCC, which should be 25 down, three up megabytes per second. So the conundrum here is that there are large swaths of the rural South where African-Americans can't access the internet. Um, And it is a particular area where policymakers and state and local leaders need to focus their attention on as they think through the infrastructure package, but also as we think through how the money should be allocated when local leader gets those funds. So for our listeners that aren't sure where we're talking about, give, give me, give me a ballpark and talk to me about the number of black people that live in this area. Yeah. So what makes our research different is that the black belt generally has, while it has changed definitions over the years, it has been defined as rural South states that have 40% or higher African-Americans. But what we looked at were uh, rural South counties that have populations that are 35% black or higher. And in looking at the American Community Survey five-year estimates, that is 152 counties across 10 states in the South. And so by looking at that isolated population and deaggregating that data, you find that there are distinctive characteristics about that region that make it different from other areas of the United States. And we really wanted to focus our attention on that area because um, there's lack of information and research 
as it relates to some of the challenges and opportunities um, that exist. Tell us about some of the differences. Well, because of the history of African-Americans in the rural South, whether that are companies that have started there and moved out, um, there are a lot of challenges that African-Americans face. If we think back historically to those who have been enslaved and whose families came from the rural South, you can only imagine just some of the kind of systemic um, and structural kind of racism um, that has exist in many aspects of their life. So you have jobs uh, or companies that have left that, that area, right? Um, we talk about educational, educational attainment there and how that's low, but you have low performing schools, you have an achievement gap, you have low teacher retention rates. Um, and even when you think about healthcare, there are a number of hospitals that have uh, closed down in the rural South, particularly when we look at the rural South counties that we define as the Black rural South. Um, and so you don't have a lot of specialty care there. You don't have a lot of doctors there to address some of the needs of these communities. So you couple that all together and what you have are Black residents that face a number of issues compounded by, you know, advancements in technology or innovation and then people actually leaving. So brain drain, maybe people will go to, you know, receive their education in that area, but they'll move out because there's the lack of opportunity there. And then what you do get is lack of investment by companies um, because the area is so sparsely populated and because many of the people who may be able to obtain jobs maybe not have the skills um, that those companies uh, need. And so that gives that place these kind of unique characteristics that are um, unlike many other parts of the United States for African-Americans. Dominique, what does the lack of broadband access mean for people there who are trying to get jobs, who are trying to go to school remotely, who need telehealth appointments? It means that there are going to be devastating implications for those communities. That means that you won't have maybe the device, right? That's important to this conversation. You won't have the actual internet access within your home to be able to compete for other jobs around the world or apply for jobs. You know, people will say that, oh, people can use their phone, but that we all know that's not the same as being able to have a computer in front of you or a laptop to be able to do the kind of work you need to do to fill out an application or to access government services. That means lack of educational opportunities for students. I mean, I'm particularly thinking about if we are, you know, we'll have to go back home to do uh, school. What about the number of African-American students that continue to not have access to broadband at home? Pew Research just put out some data recently saying that African-American children are still dealing with that issue as it relates to broadband access. And then lastly, as it relates to health care. You know, when you think about the opportunities that telemedicine can provide for those communities in terms of being able to talk to your doctor through a device or for them to do remote monitoring of whatever kind of issues that you may be having at home, um, that can mean a lot for someone who would have to normally travel 30 to 40 miles outside of their county just to receive services. And when we think about the devastating impact of the pandemic on African-Americans, we need to be creating more opportunities and tools for people and communities that have these uh, challenges to be able to access that service um, and be able to get the care that they need. I wonder whether your research reveals whether this is just communities being overlooked or is it some sort of deliberate, there are a bunch of low-income people of color here and we're not going to help them? 
Yeah, I, I don't want to say that it's deliberate. I, I will say that the data does show that companies or internet service providers are willing to invest in places where there is a return on investment. And that usually means wealthier, wider, large populated uh, locations. And where African-Americans may live, whether that is in rural community or metropolitan places or in housing units, we see that there is some type of uh, discrimination, frankly, occurring. And that's what we call digital redlining. So that is offering these kind of services or higher quality internet packages uh, to communities who are, like I said, wealthier, wider, and uh, more uh, heavily populated. And so that is a challenge that, you know, um, that should be addressed. And I'm excited that some of that language in terms of digital redlining is incorporated into the infrastructure bill to say that, you know, local leaders need best practices and models about making sure that when they enter into agreements with ISPs, that the ISPs are serving entire communities, not just selective about which communities they want to serve. Because what we have seen in the research is that African-Americans and Latinos end up missing out on these kinds of services um, and resources. And this can be seen in what happened in New York uh, with some ISPs. And we also have seen this in California where entire communities were not served and African-Americans and Latinos bear the brunt of uh, those issues. And I'm certain, and I know that this probably wasn't part of your research, but this has got to also affect Native Americans on reservations, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that is a problem and a challenge that I think needs to be investigated more, right? Just because of the kind of social, economic, and political issues that they have cha- they have uh, experienced, excuse me. And there's little research on that. There is monies available by the federal government and the FCC to provide broadband access to tribal nations. But at the end of the day, we know that a large number of those communities also uh, do not have access to broadband or the infrastructure. And so I'm hoping uh, that there are targeted solutions to address uh, those kinds of things for that, those people. And Dominique, I've got to ask, some of low-income whites are, are facing these same issues, right? Just at, just at lesser numbers than, than Black and Latina and Native American people. Absolutely. And, you know, the argument we make is that there are a number of people in both metropolitan and rural areas that are facing these challenges. But many times when we speak about rural, people conflate that with white and rarely give the same kind of attention to African-Americans in rural communities. And we also just have to think about the structural and systemic things that Black communities face that further compound these issues, right? So when you look at educational attainment, when you look at uh, uh, job attainment, or when you look at um, healthcare opportunities, education, et cetera, what you see is that because of the historical policy programs and things that have gone on in our society, Black people really feel the um, the ramifications of these kinds of things that are happening. So even as, you know, innovation continues and people gain more access to technology, Black people and other people of color will, uh, you know, we have a harder time in accessing those resources or we are further harmed by those kinds of technologies because of our history, but because we're often left out of the conversation when we're talking about these challenges and opportunities. 
That was Dominique Harrison with the Joint Center for Political and Economic Studies. Thanks so much for joining us. Also, thanks to Ashley Armstrong for her production assistance. Like what you hear? Come on back for more. There will be new episodes of Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys every Monday. Follow the show wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Keys, CBS News. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.